0: Studio 6B, 8 p.m. On the East Coast, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Slick Rex sitting right there. He's got some sports. Still got was going to do the news. Glad you're a part of the show. On a Wednesday night, lots to do, lots to get into. I have some very good news for all of you to start the show. Oh, yeah? As I've been parading through social media um, and watching stuff all day. and um, Parading? I believe after Trump's now fourth indictment and um, coming arrest and then appearing in court on Thursday, the House Republicans have announced today that they will be putting together some very strongly worded letters, some very strongly worded tweets, lots of questions, strong questions that they will write down on pieces of paper and have ready for some congressional hearing at some point in the future. So there's that to hang your hats on today. That's good, right? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, mean, I, I love a tersely worded letter. You know that. I mean, that's a great place to start. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we are with the Republicans. Rona McDaniel, I believe, is still in charge of this, uh, the RNC somewhere. Haven't heard anything from her, as far as I can tell. Uh, everybody in the Senate haven't heard from them, of course, McConnell, uh, and the drones over there continue to be silent because really they they have no problem with what's going on. But really, the news to start today is that Mike Pence stands with Jack Smith. Mike Pence stands with Jack Smith. Mike Pence stands Mm -hmm. with Chris Christie. Mike Pence stands with Will Turd. Mike Pence stands with Asa Hutchinson. And all of them stand in Trump derangement syndrome land, and now, effectively, in never-Trump land. That's where we are. And Mike Pence has firmly placed himself in whatever career he has left. He has placed him there as of today.
1: He's shooting for Kamala Harris-like uh, numbers, isn't he?
0: Um, I, I don't even know. That might be a stretch for Mike Pence to get Kamala <laughs> Harris numbers. At this point, I'm not sure... Yeah. Um. I think he's made the decision to be like the floating Hindenburg that is Chris Christie, that he would just be a kamikaze pilot at this point because he's not going to pull any higher than one, 2%. Uh, and if he goes to the debate, it's going to be brutal as it should be. And it should be brutal for him anywhere he goes, because when you turn out to be that much of a pansy, this much of a, I like to say another word, but I'll just stick with pansy. Um, then that's what you're going to, that's what you deserve to get. When you go on Martha McCallum and you talk about uh, Trump's crackpot lawyers, that, that's, that's what Mark, Mike Pence is, uh, is now talking about. That's where we've gotten to. Not about his actions or inactions that day. Of course, Mike Pence, I'd love to know what Mike Pence actually thinks his role was that day. And where, and where, he, and where he thinks the authority for the vice president on January 6th comes from. In what he thinks he can and can't do because he seems to get more drama filled by the day as far as i'm concerned and that's what i heard from him today uh and as a matter of fact here's here's what mike pence let me make sure i have this right here is what mike pence said today
2: you're saying all you needed to do was just take a pause what do you say to that
0: I say that's
3: completely false, and it's contrary to American history, to our Constitution, and to the laws of this country. And I uh, I never considered it, Martha. Look, when the first time I heard uh, speculation that as vice president I'd have the authority to overturn the election by returning or rejecting votes, I I frankly dismissed it out of hand. Look, the, the founders of this country had just won a war of independence. Against- okay, so
0: let's just stop there. <laughs> let's just stop there, and let's just take a second. Because we'll do this on this show. No one else will. But we'll take the time. I'll take the time. Because it's worth the time. The Electoral Count Act and the process of electing a president. The Electoral Count Act of 1887 provides the primary legal framework for casting and counting electoral votes for president and vice president in accordance with the requirements of the Constitution. Now, there's some terms you're never going to hear me say today as I go through this. You're never going to hear the term special counsel. You're never going to hear the term Department of Justice. You're never going to hear the term lawyer. You're never going to hear the term prosecution. You're never going to hear the word crime. You know why? Because none of that is in here. And none of that is laid out in the Constitution for how these disputes of electors and choosing a president and vice president were ever contemplated in the Constitution or anywhere else. In addition to setting a timeline for selecting electors and transmitting their votes to Congress, the Electoral Count Act establishes certain dispute resolution procedures for the counting process in Congress, including when Congress receives competing slates of electoral votes from the same state. Together with the 12th Amendment, the Electoral Count Act also sets out the limit ministerial role that the vice president, as the president of the Senate, plays in counting the electoral votes. You listen to Mike Pence today. Mike Pence is very sure on what his role is Very sure of the power he held or not held that day. And I'm wondering where he thinks it's so clearly defined. Because I don't know where it's so clearly defined. It's not that clearly defined in the Constitution, I can tell you that for sure. And the Electoral Count Act, it's certainly not clear on that, as you'll see as I go through this. So Mike Pence, with all of his drama and all of his woe is me and all of his look at me, accept me on MSNBC, accept me for the... um, so I can be like Chris Christie, so I can be like Asa Hutchinson, so I can be like all these other guys, since I'm firmly now in never-Trump land, uh, quite frankly, it doesn't sound like he knows what he's talking about. Back to the Electoral Count Act. It says, although intended to bring clarity to the process by which Congress determines the winner of the presidential election, following the highly contested and chaotic election of 1876, The statute is extraordinarily complex and has been described as almost um, unintelligible. It undoubtedly needs to be revised, but is the primary law for governing the process for elections and importantly, considering the Electoral Count Act's text and legislative history together, It does provide some clarity as to how Congress should exercise its duties under the Constitution. Now, see, I keep saying the word Congress. You don't hear me say special counsel. You don't hear me hear me say Department of Justice. You don't hear me say any of these terms that have now happened as we've now criminalized this whole process. So we've criminalized something that is clearly laid out in the Electoral Act of 1887 and, of course, in the Constitution constitutional framework for presidential elections presidential elections in the u.s are governed by a combination of the u.s constitution federal statutes and state and local law the overall timeline of the election is set primarily by federal law within the constraints set by the constitution the mechanics of conducting the election are governed primarily by state and local law the president is chosen by the electoral college which is comprised of electors from each state. Article 2 of the Constitution provides that each state shall appoint its electors for president in such a manner as the state legislature thereof may direct. All states have chosen to conduct elections and most appoint all electors to the winner of the statewide popular vote. Article 2 gives Congress the power to determine the time and choosing of the electors it further requires that all electoral votes on the same day chosen by congress the 12th amendment requires that the presidential electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president and then transmit lists of all their votes to the president of the senate the office filled by the vice president unless the vice presidency is vacant oh (laughs) For opening in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, the votes shall then be counted. The candidate having the greatest number of electoral votes for president shall become president. If such a number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed, same process applies to the vice president. Finally, pursuant to the 20th Amendment, the terms of the president and vice president end at noon on the 20th day of January at which the newly elected and re-elected president and vice president are sworn in. Congress enacted the electoral count of 1887 in the wake of the disputed Hayes-Tilden election of 1876 for the first time since the Civil War. A Democrat, Samuel Tilden, had won the popular vote, but the election ultimately came down to three southern states all under the fragile control of of the Reconstruction Republican government, which had sent to Congress multiple competing electoral returns. Oh, oh, this has never happened before. This is criminal. And oh, we're going to get these people. Fake electors. <laughs> fake electors. If those states went to haze then Tilden would lose by a single electoral vote. Congress had no existing procedures to decide which of the disputed returns from each state should be counted. So it functionally delegated the decision to an ad hoc electoral commission composed of five senators, five representatives, and five Supreme Court justices. The commission was expected to split along partisan lines with the decisive 15th vote to come from the independent Supreme Court Justice David Davis, But Justice Davis declined to serve on the commission, leaving the 15th seat to a Republican justice, Joseph P. Bradley, widely regarded as a partisan. And indeed, the commission voted along partisan lines to grant a disputed electoral vote to Hayes, securing his victory amid Democrats' raucous accusations of partisan bias. No. Democrats accepted the result only after Republicans agreed to a series of demands including withdrawal of federal troops from the former Confederate states and an effective end to the Reconstruction in a deal known as the Compromise of 1877. Have you heard a lot of this, folks, in the last couple days? Are you familiar with all of this? And, of course, we all know the timeline for selecting electors and transmitting electoral votes to Congress. And that, of course, Election Day, November 3rd, Safe Harbor deadline, which is December 8th, Governor's Certificate of Ascertainment, Meeting of the presidential electors, December 14th. And then, of course, January 6th. Counting electoral votes and resolving disputes in Congress. Now, it doesn't say here resolving disputes uh, by criminalizing it. It doesn't say resolving disputes by appointing a special counsel. It doesn't say resolving disputes by going to the Department of Justice, which is partisan for the current sitting president who wants to... um, put in jail his chief uh, political rival and former president no it says resolving disputes in congress in congress it says nothing about criminality it says nothing about crime i'll finish this when we get back 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do. I'll get back to the Electoral College and resolving disputes in Congress. Oh, you mean not with the uh, special counsel, Damon? No, no, that doesn't come up. That would have never been even imagined by the founders that there could be such a role. So we'll get to this in the role of the vice president as Mike Pence today throws in with, um, as Mike Pence stands with um, Jack Smith. Mike Pence has no problem with what's going on. Mike Pence wants you to actually read read the indictment. He wants you to. Sounds like Jack Smith yesterday. I want everybody to read it.
1: <laughs>
0: he sounds like Chris Christie. He sounds like Asa Hutchinson. He's thrown in with this crowd. This is Mike Pence. This is Mike Pence who stood on stage at TPUSA not too long ago, a couple years ago, and said, I'll fight until every, every fake vote is found and thrown out. Well, I guess not. I guess not. Where's Mike Pence been if he's felt this way? By the way, <coughs> why now? All of a sudden, why now is he thrown in firmly in Never Trump land? Why today? Is he is he uh, hurt? Is he still hurt because Tucker ruined his whatever career <laughs> he had left two <laughs> weeks ago? Could be. It
2: wasn't much anyway. Yeah.
0: Oh no, uh, well, yeah. It really wasn't.
1: And you know what? It really it really wasn't Tucker that ruined it. It was Mike Pence who
0: ruined it. Well, but, because, but it was it was Tucker no, who put him in the situation. Right. Well, to he just the heat for once.
1: He just asked him a question. Just ask him a simple question. Well,
0: <laughs> I guess he that, asked him a question and then wouldn't let him not answer, is what he did. Because these guys don't get pressed ever from anybody. And once they get pressed, then you see kind of, you know, <coughs> what's the old saying when the tide goes out?
1: Everything stinks. Something like that. I yeah. never heard that before.
0: Yeah, so. All right, we'll get back into this. We'll do some news and sports though. Right now, we'll start with sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. We appreciate when you use it. Shirt of the month is uh One Nation Under God shirt. That's going to go out this month for anybody who sends in a receipt that's used our code. Got a couple of receipts. People were excited, and, and I was excited, but uh, they didn't use our code. They used no, somebody else's oh, code. Uh, oh, just, no. I mean, I hate. Why did you do to, that? I hate when we have to write those emails back. But I mean, I just come on. Got to use our code LFS6B. So. Uh wow. look, Rick, what's going on? Well,
2: oh, After that Tide story, I wish I had wow. something on Nick Saban, but I don't. So here we go, Big D, Major League Baseball. we got a couple of scores to get to. Phillies over the Marlins, 2-0, and that's in the top of the sixth. Right now, end of four. Yankees over the Rays, 5-2. Blue Jays over the Orioles, 1-0, top five. Bottom second, Cardinals lead the Twins, 4-zip in St. Louis. No score, White Sox, Rangers, bottom one. Also, bottom one, Cincinnati Reds lead the Chicago Cubs, 2-zip in Wrigley Field. The Braves annihilated the Angels today, 12-5. I've... The Nationals nipped the Brewers 3-2, to and the Astros over the Guardians 3-2 as well. Padres bombed the Rockies 11-1, to and the Mariners over the Red Sox convincingly at 6-3. to Diamondbacks and Giants, Athletics and Dodgers both coming up out west 9.45 and 10.10 10 p.m. respectively. I'll have an update on scores in the third sports segment. Uh, WWE boss Vince McMahon subpoenaed by U.S. law enforcement agents. This is Simon Kent of Breitbart, World Wrestling Entertainment. WWE confirmed Wednesday that U.S. federal law enforcement agents last month executed a search warrant and served a subpoena to Executive Chairman Vince McMahon. The twin actions are an escalation of an ongoing investigation into allegations old rhyming. McMahon paid millions of dollars over the years to women after being accused of sexual misconduct. No charges have been brought against him in the interim. Uh, Reuters reports WWE, which has just announced its second quarter results, said McMahon has been on a medical leave since July 11th 11th after a major spinal surgery. Ex-CEO and Chairman McMahon returned to the company's board in January to help forge a deal uh, with Endeavor Group-owned mixed martial arts franchise UFC to deliver a new publicly listed entertainment giant valued at about $21 billion, with a B, as Breitbart News reported. He had retired in July last year amid allegations of misconduct. In March, McMahon reimbursed the WWE $17.4 million for costs associated with the board's subsequent misconduct investigation. Cool. What's an expensive investigation, Big D? Costs associated with the investigation have continued to be incurred. In a footnote, uh, Wednesday, the Stanford, Connecticut company disclosed McMahon's medical leave of absence will be until further notice. WWE on Wednesday said during the three and eight, six months ended June 30th, the company incurred $5.3 million and $7.1 million respectively of expenses related to costs incurred in connection with a separate investigation of McMahon's alleged misconduct by a special committee set up by the company's board, CNBC. CNBC. NBC reports. Uh, McMahon was investigated by WWE board for alleged agreements to pay $12 million over the past 16 years to suppress allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity. The Wall Street Journal reported in June last year. McMahon is credited with transforming WWE from a regional player in a highly fragmented industry of the 1980s to a global giant. Of course, WWE stars have gone on to become crossover sensations, including Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and John Cena. So, yeah, you got a great. Great run there, Big D. Um, I want to get to that report of uh, the Yankees, uh, Herman, being out for the year due to alcohol. I'll have that in the next sports segment, Big D, as well as scores and a couple other stories. Wild uh, legal day
0: in sports today, let me tell you. All right, so, Greg, very good. We'll do some more sports. Uh, sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Let's do some news. And here with that is Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right.
1: Well, jumping off of uh, where I left off last night, um, if you remember, we're talking about cardboard boxes. And, and, and I know you kind of gave me that side eye, like you're doing now. Uh, I'm not looking at you. But the thing is, Slick. But the thing is, the funny thing is, when Damon does a side-eye, his whole head turns. Uh, so he just well, stares at me. I'm hoping
0: you're not watching me and I can cra- get Slick's attention. All right. <laughs> Great. Is what I'm so, trying to do. So
1: you guys have fun while I, while I explain to people. Oh and it's a gosh. story I talked about before. This story coming from Fortune this time. Uh, cardboard box sales are a reliable barometer for consumer spending and the economy, and it's not looking good. U.S. paper mills are scaling back production of, as big box retailers retailers, buy less cardboard, signaling a slowdown in consumer spending. Cardboard boxes are present at nearly every step of a goods journey through the supply chain, which makes the paper industry a key indicator of how consumer demand is faring. The U.S. corrugated uh, products industry is reportedly slumping sales, with shipments of empty boxes in March down 11% from the year earlier. Integrity Fiber Supply, an Indiana-based paper company, is seeing a shift firsthand, according to uh, its commodity traders. and Kyle Ressinger said last week, the Commodity Trading Week of America's event in Chicago, that manufacturing is down because inflation is curbing consumer spending and hurting demand. When things are good and everything is running solidly, he said the mills are running at about 90 to 92 percent, making paper and packaging. Rissinger said Thursday, right now since the beginning of the year, they're about seventy percent capacity. So the packaging world, according to Rissinger, is the front door to observing the direction of the economy, and he sees signs that are pointing to a consumer slowdown.
0: Well, I mean, we've been talking about that for a year. That what I the boxes? No, that the oh. people people say, oh, the consumers holding up so great. Like, really? I'm not so sure about that. Savings way down, credit card usage way up. I don't think the consumer's holding on.
1: Yeah, and and, and I just find the, uh, you know, it's interesting that that something like this that nobody thinks about could be such a a, a really… Barometer? Yeah, a great barometer or an indicator as to how things are going.
0: I've never heard it used as a barometer. I've never heard this…
1: Maybe I talked about connection. this one night when you were out, but, but I remember reading reading the story before um, and how it was down last fall as well, heading into Christmas, and it was a big. It, was, it caught everybody's attention.
0: Well, look at Fitch. Um,
1: That's my next story. Down, go go ahead. Yeah, stocks hit a sell-off Wednesday as a Nasdaq Composite registers, registered its worst days in February after Fitch downgraded the long-term rating of the U.S. and risk and risk-off sentiment. Uh, resurface uh, the tech heavy index shed 2.17 percent to end at 139.73, while the s&p pulled back as well and the dow jones tumbled 348 points to finish at 35 282 uh fitch ratings cuts the long term foreign currency issuer default rating to the u.s from uh from Triple uh, A to double A Tuesday night, citing the ex- citing the expected fiscal deterioration over the next three years. That would be uh, Bidenomics, I believe that's called.
0: I believe what they cited specifically from AAA to double A plus is the fact that Congress has not prioritized any kind of deficit reduction in spending um, in any of their plans. Hello, Republicans. Hello. I believe that's specifically what they cited. Chuck Schumer's out there today. Oh, fetch! Uh, the Republicans. Oh, it's the Republicans. Uh, no, no, actually, it's not. It's not. It's not at all. Actually, what they said. No, we got it. ah. Come on. All right, we'll do more news when we get back. Live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday. from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's going to do some more news. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. I want to thank everybody for being a part of the show. All our friends in the getter chat in there. I see a lot of the usual suspects. Good to see everybody in there. Make sure you head over to livefromstudio 6 bcom Make sure you're a member. Law signed up as a member over there. Uh, get on the email list. Just get signed up over at livefromstudio6b.com. Maybe we'll head over there and see who's on there tonight. Maybe give a couple T-shirts away. We'll see. Uh, new T-shirt of the month's going on right now. Um, Big D's August special also going on right now. Three, The three new T-shirts. Uh, put them in your cart. You get 15% off each one. I think it's 15%. It's the biggest discount we've ever done on each shirt that you put in your cart. That, of course, is the three newest ones. The individual the Free Thinker shirt. The shirt of the month, which is the One Nation Under God, and the American Patriot shirt. So all three of those, 15% off if you put them in your cart together over at livefromstudio6b.com. Let's do some more news, then we'll get back to the uh, electoral count. But before we do that, here's Janet Yellen on this Fitch downgrade of um, America's uh, America's bonds. Because as Fitch, I think, specifically said, let me pull it up so I can say uh, actually have it right. Fitch downgrading U.S. bonds because Congress not enacting enough deficit reduction in the past year. Janet Yellen, you say what?
4: Over the past few years, the American economy has seen an historic recovery from the depths of the pandemic downturn. Over 13 million new jobs have been created since January (laughs) 2021. (laughs) Our unemployment rate stands at 3.6% near historic lows. Overall annual inflation has declined every month for the past year, and our economy continues to grow. In the longer term, the United States remains the world's largest, most dynamic, and most innovative economy, with the strongest financial system in the world. Fitch's decision is puzzling in light of the economic strength we see in the United States. I strongly disagree with Fitch's decision, and I believe it is entirely unwarranted.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, great. The, you, you get kind of like Biden. Um, <laughs> you get the sense like like the female version of Biden when yeah. she talks. Like all these people, they just yeah, man, it's just enough. This... Can we get some younger people in government to run these agencies and have sound like they have a clue what they're doing? I mean, I'm sure she maybe she did 20 years ago, but I mean. You just get the sense of like, just rambling onto every word to the next word. Or like looking at everything is red. Everything is looking down. And of course what she doesn't talk about in any of that is the debt, which is what they're looking at. The amount of spending, not unemployment coming down back to where it was when Trump had everything humming, not them creating 13 million jobs, which of course they've nothing even created nothing close to that. Uh, most of those jobs came back from the pandemic, but she doesn't talk about debt and deficits. She doesn't talk about 32 trillion in fiscal operating debt. She doesn't talk about the deficit in this year already over a, a, a trillion, 1.9 trillion dollars already, nine months and ten nine months seven eight months into the year. Whatever the number, what are we in August? Yeah, eight months into the year. Yeah, it's not calculus. I mean, it's not calculus oh, here. Man. She doesn't talk about. I mean, man. she doesn't address the reason. Behind the downgrade and the and the forward outlook of higher rates for longer, what it's going to cost to finance that debt, and the financial ruins that this country is on the path to very quickly. She cites a bunch of nonsensical numbers, inflation's coming down, it's still double what, what your target rate is, more than double. So it's just, uh, you know, I, uh, all the wrong people in all the wrong places to deal with all these things in the world right now. And I just continue to say that, and it can just continues to be true. So. Yeah.
1: And what's amazing is the, uh, have you heard the new talking point now about this? It's called the, uh, and I heard it. I, I couldn't believe I heard it. They're calling it the Trump downgrade. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious look it up I, I, I'm not lying so I believe it. they started talking about it on one of the uh, one of the ridiculous. news networks so, so we're calling it the Trump downgrade now because uh yeah. well because he's uh, he's pre- no he's not sorry and just remember so it happened it's happening during
0: the tax cuts for the rich
1: you know <laughs> it's happening during the Biden administration and the last time the u.s. got a downgrade from a major ratings agency was when 2011 during Biden's vice presidency. Because he was in office as Barack Obama was president, so it seems like Democrats seem to have a good, good, uh, good track record of making sure we get downgraded when it comes to our uh, when it comes to our ratings from uh, AAA down. So.
0: All right, what else is going on in the news? Uh, let's see. This one's kind of kind
1: of caught, it kind of slid under the radar because there were so many other things going on, but New Jersey Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver has passed away. She was uh, rushed to the hospital with an undisclosed illness on Monday, and, which, and she was actually serving as the acting governor of New Jersey while Governor Phil Murphy was on vacation in Italy. So New Jersey's Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver, who made history as the first black woman to serve as Speaker of the State Assembly, she died. Tuesday, her family announced she was 71. She served with Democrat uh, Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey, acting in his steed when he was out of state, and also administering uh, Department of Community Affairs, which coordinates state aid to towns, cities, and supervises code enforcement. No cause of death was given in a statement released by Oliver's family through Murphy's office. Um, but it says here, uh, the family said in the statement, as we come to terms with this profound loss, we kindly request that you respect the privacy of of the Oliver family during this difficult time as they grieved their beloved Sheila, the statement read. So kind of a weird, weird thing. I mean, she's serving, you know, as the lieutenant governor, like, like the article says, Governor Murphy's out of town. He's out of the, he's out of the country. So she's serving as the governor and, and boom, just keels
0: over. Yeah. Kind if you of weird. If you don't head over to uh, live from studio6b.com every day now, you should because this was one of the news stories that went up that morning. And I read it there. Uh I guess it was what a, 2 days ago I guess this happened yeah, I read I read it ago. there on uh, yep. our site it was there live from studio 6b.com and I saw that it is weird undisclosed goes to the hospital and boom boom gone gone terrible story terrible
1: insane insane you want to hear something else that's
2: crazy is it an outside of the box story yes
1: <laughs> what's in the box the box would be Illinois, and uh, the governor right there is the one who's who's stuck in there as he's uh, allowing non-U.S. citizens, sure, illegal aliens, yeah, to, to be, become uh, uh, yeah police officers. Sure. Oh yeah, a oh, Robocop. Pos- what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Illinois Governor uh, J.B. Pritzker signed a bill into law that allows non-U.S. citizens to become police officers in the state, angering critics who slammed the idea of foreigners arresting American citizens as a fundamentally bad idea. You might consider that. Uh, Illinois, Illinois House Bill 3751 will no longer require U.S. citizenship. As a qualification to become a police officer in the state, the bill was signed by the Democrat governor last Friday and will go into effect on January 1st of 2024, despite facing heavy opposition from everybody else in the state. The bill provides that an individual who is not a citizen but is legally authorized to work in the United States uh, under federal law is authorized to apply for the position of police officer and get a gun. And chase around Americans who they believe that uh, are holding them down. Yeah. Sounds like a great idea. Immigrants who remain in the country under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA, are also entitled to apply. And federal law currently forbids non-U.S. citizens to serve as police officers and deputies. So it'll be interesting to see how this—you know this is probably going to end up in court. Because it just—there's a a federal law against it. But they seem to uh, thumb their nose at anything that, uh, you know— benefits Americans, and uh, they'll do anything to elevate the criminal element.
0: Well, and- you know, I mean, it's getting to the point where parts of this country, it's almost like you have to say, you know what, if they want to do it, let them do it. And yeah. if you want to go live there, go live there. Just just keep it there. You know, these these ideas that they have, you want to implement it where you are, then implement it where you are. But we have the freedom to vote with our feet. And that's why of all the places we talk about, New York, L.A., I think Illinois leads the way in, um, in people leaving the state. Because how could you not? Who wants to live there with the new mayor of Chicago? Guy's worse than the, and then, um, than uh, Lightfoot, if that's possible. He wants to get rid of all police. All right, go ahead. That's the attitude I think some of us are going to come to with these places. You want to get rid of the police? Good. Send them to my neighborhood. <laughs> send the police yeah. to my neighborhood. You get rid of them. Send them to my neighborhood. You want to give up all your guns or get, go off to? you do it and send them all to my neighborhood. You want to let non-citizens become police officers and run around, you do it. Great. Keep it there. And if you want to live there under those circumstances, then go ahead. And if you don't, then move. But don't bring that nonsense wherever you go to. Because I don't know what else you do with some of these places. You just kind
1: of throw your hands up. You know, especially if you live there, it's like, how do you get out? Like some people are, are, are basically stuck, whether it be job, maybe the, the market's down. They can't sell their house. They're in a bad area. They can't, they can't move right now. Um, it makes it very difficult, especially if you see this kind of nonsense coming your way.
0: Uh, 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 you know, yeah. it's crazy. All right, we'll do some more news in a second. Let's get back to the uh, Electoral College Act because now it's been criminalized. And I, and I don't think people uh, uh, are as familiar with um, this process. And listening to Mike Pence today is what made me really think about digging into this. As he sits there and talks, as if he, he has some clear understanding of that he was being asked to do something that, oh, my God, was just so awful. Awful. By crackpot lawyers, he says. And I'm thinking to myself, number one, you sound like a drama queen. (laughs) And number two, you're getting more dramatic by each television appearance as he's, he's, I don't know, maybe he's aiming for that post 1% boot off the stage in in any debate (laughs) he goes to. Life of his, maybe he's going to end up at CNN or something. I don't know Mm. Who who he's playing towards, the Chris Christie crowd. But Mike Pence makes it sound like his role on January 6th is so clearly defined. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, well, where does he get that idea? We've talked about this. Yeah, I've clearly set, stated I did disagree with the, his role on that day that he says, oh, I just, there's nothing. I've said multiple times, the founders of this country could never have imagined electors coming to, coming to Congress the way they did in 2020. There's no way it could have ever been thought of that the state elect uh, state legislatures would have their power stripped from them that clearly lays out that's where the power to hold elections and what votes will count lies. Consent decrees between Stacey Abrams and the Secretary of State, who would have ever imagined something like that could happen? Act 21 in Pennsylvania or Act 11, whatever it was called, Act 11, Act 21 that they had their lawsuit on? I'll never forget that hearing where the state le- representative of the state legislature said, you know, we wondered why the governor signed that so quick. <laughs> state constitution <laughs> in Pennsylvania calls for specific things for an act like that to go through. Never mm-hmm. happened. Yep. So who, how could the founders have ever contemplated electors coming to, come into Congress the way they came in 2020? It's not possible.
1: Well, what's weird is that though the, ele- the elect, uh, election, uh, Count Act, right? Um, actually, made that provision in case there was something crazy. You could have dual sets of electors. So in a way, kind of.
0: It absolutely contemplated yeah. dual sets of electors, yeah. and who resolves it? And it's and it's Congress. It's not a special counsel. It's not the Department of Justice. It's not in a lawyer somewhere. <laughs> uh, counting of electoral votes and resolving disputes in Congress. On Wednesday, January 6th at 1 p.m., the two chambers of Congress will meet in a special joint session to count electoral votes as directed by the Electoral College Act. Although electoral vote certificates are open and votes are officially counted at this joint session in the presence of both chambers, the ECA directs the two chambers to divide and meet separately when objections are raised to any particular electoral votes. After the two chambers consider such disputes, they reconvene in the joint session to resume counting. Ultimately, through this process, the Electoral College Act requires that one, if there is only one submission of electoral votes from a state, Congress must count those votes unless both chambers agree to reject them. Oh. What? N- what well, what? No. They're not allowed to do that. They left room for Congress to reject electoral votes from the states? Well, what Get- but we could have fake electors. Get Jack Smith on the phone. <laughs> If there is only one submission of electoral votes from a state, Congress must count those votes unless both chambers agree to reject them for reasons specific in the statute. Mm -hmm. Number two, if there is more than one submission of electoral votes from a state, the question ultimately is whether the chambers agree on which slate of electors to accept If the chambers agree to accept a particular slate, those electoral votes count. If the chambers agree to reject a particular slate, then those electoral votes do not count. No way. If the chambers disagree as to which slate to accept, then the prevailing votes are those that were cast by electors certified by, quote, the executive of the state. A joint session, the vice president, let's talk about him since he's in the news, and he so clearly says he knows what and what not his role was of that day. (laughs) The vice president presides over the joint session, which means he or she sits in the Speaker of the House's chair, and I'm reading from the Electoral College Act, and has the power to preserve order, quote-unquote. This power is not substantive. It is the standard obligation of a presiding officer in a chamber of Congress to preserve order and decorum among lawmakers and in galleries. During the joint session, the vice president is required to open in alphabetical order by state all the certificates and papers purporting to be certificates of the electoral votes. After opening all such returns from a state, the vice president hands them to four tellers who read the results and record the votes. The vice president then calls for objections. Members of Congress may object to a state's electoral votes only in writing. The objection must state clearly and concisely and without argument the ground for the objection and be signed by at least one senator and one member of the House of Representatives." After all objections pertaining to a state's returns have been received and read, the House and the Senate meet separately to consider the obje- uh, objections pursuant to the Electoral College Act in each chamber's own procedural rules. The ECA specifically provides that in the joint session, no debate shall be allowed and no question shall be put by the presiding officer except to either House on the motion to withdraw. In other words, the ECA does not permit the debate or resolution of disputes during the joint session itself. Rather, all disputes must be referred to the chambers to debate and decide in separate meetings. Congress may not move on to the next state until all objections have been finally deposed of in the manner required. And then it talks about separate meetings of the chambers. Um, and then it says the following. When Congress receives more than one electoral return from a state, The ECA contemplates three different scenarios that each chamber may need to consider. If one of the competing returns meets the requirements of the ECA safe harbor provision, then the chamber should accept the return unless the votes therein were not regularly given as defined above. If multiple competing returns from the same state purport to be within the safe harbor, then the chambers should accept the state of electors that is supported by the decision of such state so authorized by its law. In other words, the prevailing slate is the one uh, the chambers find to be supported by the final determination of the lawful tribunal of such state. If neither of the competing returns submitted by the state is within the safe harbor, Then the chambers accept the lawful votes of the state of electors composed of lawful electors appointed in accordance with the laws of the state. Then it uh, talks about uh, reconvening in the joint session after they've met separately. And then it talks about the vice president's ministerial role. As explained above, the ECA specifically assigns the president of the Senate, usually the vice president, specific duties as the providing officer in the joint session of Congress preserving order and decorum opening and handle electoral vote certificates to the tellers calling for objections announcing the results on the objections the eca also provides that the vice president shall announce the results of the overall electoral vote count at the end of the vote counting process meaning he or she announces the winning candidates for president and vice president none of these duties include the power to decide controversies that might arise over-counting electoral votes or to otherwise decide the outcome of the election. If no candidate has a majority of electoral votes, Congress decides the winner. Not Mike Pence. Congress. Congress decides the winner. The 12th Amendment provides that if no presidential or vice presidential candidate has the majority of electoral votes, then Congress will decide among the top candidates if Congress has not chosen a president by noon the law provides for an acting president so ladies and gentlemen what we have heard from Mike Pence on this clearly defined language he thinks and what's amazing about his his speech to Martha McCallum let me just finish it because he does say the key words in here but he blows it off as if it's something like oh we couldn't possibly get to there listen to this (laughs) against the king and i was confident as a student
3: of american history uh, that those founders would have never vested the vice president or anyone else with unilateral authority to decide what electoral college votes to count and which not to count i was clear on that throughout i was clear with president trump throughout all the way up to the morning uh, of january 6 but let let's let's be clear on this point it wasn't just that they asked for a pause uh the president uh, specifically asked me and his gaggle of uh, of crackpot lawyers asked me to literally reject votes to which would have resulted in uh in the issue being turned over to the house of representatives
0: which is exactly what was contemplated it being turned over to the house of representatives that's exactly right that's the point that's exactly the point which would have if, if Pence had said, and this is what we tried to argue on, what his position is that day, if he could have said, these electors have come to Congress, there seems to be some question, even in the states themselves, on the certification, it's not for me to decide, it's for Congress to decide. So if he had sent them back or not accepted them or whatever, as we just went through in the Electoral College Act, it is set up for Congress to decide. It is set up for it to end in Congress.
3: Just as he says. And uh, in the issue being turned over to the House of Representatives and. Exactly. Literally chaos would have ensued. So. No, chaos would not have ensued.
0: <laughs> this is exactly what the founders planned for. How can he say chaos would have ensued? Because Nancy Pelosi wouldn't have enjoyed that. It
1: would. Have, she probably would have led to chaos. Maybe he's right on that one.
0: I don't know. Mike Pence is standing with Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson, and Jack Smith as far as I'm concerned. from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night, Hour 2, 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Sick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's doing the news. Aaron Fran holding it down, as always. Lots to do in Hour 2 as we discuss the Trump indictment. And um, I I guess the question is, if now we're going to go after people who question elections, take good or bad advice, and then act upon that advice. That You can get arrested now, I guess, for that. You can get indicted for that. You can get indicted for questioning the outcome of the elections. You can get indicted for, for talking, um, making political maneuvers, especially if you're part of the election and you think that something has been done wrong and you take advice from your attorneys not only can your attorneys now be indicted for the advice they gave you but you can be indicted for taking that advice and acting upon it making phone calls to secretary of states around the country asking about vote vote counts whether there's votes to be found none of which i would have thought was uh could be criminalized before this whole process i never thought could be criminalized free speech i wouldn't have thought could be criminalized the first amendment i didn't think could be criminalized but if that's going to be the new standard i'm just wondering is, is this i guess this is only going forward if your name is trump or you have a republican uh an r next to your name i'm assuming because obviously if it was to uh, count towards everyone what would we do with let's say a few minutes of this video
5: That's what I'm scared about in 2020. But rightly.
3: Because I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So, how do you. You know, fight against that in 2020. You are absolutely right. Oh. He's an
5: illegitimate president in <laughs> my mind. Would
3: you be my vice president? Well, we, need, <laughs> we need charges. Jack Fox, Smith, have you seen this? I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. Who was this? And he was put into office because...
0: Oh of He's boss. President. Was Russia oh. interfered with our election, attacked our democracy for the sole purpose of artificially placing someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They were successful. Trump knows charges. he's
5: an illegitimate president. The
3: president-elect, o- although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see the charges. President-elect. Yep. Subpoena, baby. As
2: a yes. legitimate
3: president. You said you
0: believe we that Russia's tightness. interference altered the outcome of the election.
4: I do. We have a
5: president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. Oh the one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an
0: objection.
5: I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Our election
4: was hijacked. There is no question. Congress has a duty to hashtag protect our democracy and hashtag follow the facts.
3: John Lewis is completely right. There is a cloud of illegitimacy around the election of Donald Trump. The Russians interfered with his election.
0: James Comey and the FBI interfered with his uh, election. The fake news industry interfered with his election.
5: Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign... Do you believe Trump is illegitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference.
2: Uh, there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So
3: that was a very tainted election. And, and in that sense, it's, it's illegitimate.
4: Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows
5: he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president.
1: Stolen emails. Stolen
3: drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world of unprecedented trump did you believe president trump is an illegitimate president Based on what I just said which I can't retract <laughs> okay. He tweeted in February 2018, quote, The more we learn about the 2016 election, the more illegitimate it becomes. America deserves to know whether we have a fake president in the Oval Office. In the Russian attempt to, ha- to have the election, and frankly the FBI's is weighing in on the election, I think make the make, makes his election illegitimate.
5: There was a widespread <gasps> oh understanding God, that this election was not on the level. Like we still, so still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean... There's just a lot that I think will be revealed, history will discover, (laughs) but you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigans stuff going on and not come away with an idea like, whoa, something's not right here.
0: Seems to me that there's a cloud of illegitimacy that continues to hang over 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue.
5: The outcome of the election was affected by their interference and now we need to know, you know to what degree uh, if any the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the, uh, with, so with Russia. He knows he's an illegitimate president. So of course he's obsessed with me and I believe that
3: it's a guilty what? conscience. We actually
0: won the last presidential election, folks. They stole
3: the last presidential election. And Al Gore won that election, I think he won it anyway.
0: Actually, I think I
3: carried Florida. Al Gore won the election nationwide and also in Florida, but the Supreme Court ruled the other way. Al Gore got more votes, but not enough to stay out of the Supreme Court where President Bush was elected five to four.
5: Bush versus Gore. A court <laughs> took away a presidency.
3: If all the votes were counted in Florida, that Al Gore would be president today and George Bush would be back in office.
5: I
4: come from Florida, where you and others participated in what I call the United States In 2013,
3: according to reports, Vice President Joe Biden, he claimed that Al Gore was the one who was elected president, and he claimed that the recount result was, quote, a bad decision.
2: And never
0: forget, dear friends, what they did in Florida to Al Gore and me, to all of us, to older Americans, to African Americans, to Haitian Americans, denied the right to vote and have those votes.
4: I do believe that the projections were right in the first place at
3: seven o'clock oh, no. when he called it for Gore.
4: Let me tell you something. Without a doubt, George
5: <laughs> Bush did not carry Florida and it was not close.
3: There's no question that you
0: won the state of Florida. <laughs> oh thank you, Charles. No, it's a question. <laughs> that's a we question. Will ne- we will never know because the votes weren't weren't counted.
3: But, but and did in your judgment. I mean that's <laughs> a <fact. laughs> Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And there is no other way of saying it but be very blunt. Al Gore won the state of Florida in 2000, and we should never forget it.
3: Most Americans or a great many Americans don't have confidence oh, Howard, that the election of
5: 2000 was fair. But I don't believe we lost. I, I believe we just failed to have all of the votes counted. So, yeah, in Ford, Ford, Ford. 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 The Supreme Court went the Al Gore won the state of Florida in 2000, although not the
4: presidency. We know we won this election. They know we won this election. And Americans know we won this election.
3: I know some people want you to believe that the Gore campaign
5: was a campaign that wasn't able to complete its mission. We did. Had all of those votes been counted.
3: Florida. Uh I think Al Gore would be president today. We-
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll just stop it there. There's plenty more. Wow, that's we, see a lot. A pa- we see a pattern here, folks. I,
1: I you know what? If I was a state state attorney general right now, I'd be firing up the uh the fax machine and start pumping out indictments because there's a lot of people who need to be uh
0: held to account. <clears throat> see, the bottom line is the Democrats have never accepted any um election whether it's a presidential election a governorship many local election they accept no elections that they don't win and so now they're in a full authoritarian effort to make sure that they don't lose any more elections that's what this is about they've never accepted an election ever that they have not won 2000 2016 and you can go back on through And they're all on tape doing exactly the same thing that Donald Trump has done since 2020. Gotten in front of every camera he can and has said that he feels that that election was stolen. So what is the difference between him talking about 2020 for the last two and a half years and Jack Smith telling us that he's able to tell (laughs) that he was lying all the time? That he didn't actually believe it. He knows his state of mind. He's a mind reader. He can tell. And the attorneys that gave him any advice to say, well, you know, maybe you can you can talk to Pence about questioning the electoral votes. There could be a dual set of electors. Any, all of these things that were already contemplated by the founders. Not only now can the lawyers be indicted and or have been for giving advice, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't really matter. And whether Trump took good advice or took bad advice and acted on it, doesn't really matter. And the fact that he called around and asked doesn't really matter. But now it's been criminalized. And that's where we're at. Yeah, it's insane.
1: Totally insane. And again, these are the same people who are, you know... They're on one side one day if you have a D in front of your name, then they jump to the other side the next day if you've got an R in front of your name. Why? Because the rule of law doesn't apply to them if you've got a D in front of your name and what's really amazing is for someone that, that that you know they think oh my goodness how could he why are they working so hard to stop him if they don't think he can win anybody who thinks that donald trump can't win the general has not been paying attention to the other side of the aisle because the other side of the aisle really is scared of how popular he has become how much power he has generated, and how he's gotten the people behind him.
0: Well, there's plenty of people who think he can't win the job. Right. There's still people who make the argument that this is all to make sure the guarantee that he's the nominee. And there's there are more that, that uh, uh, on the D side,
1: they're like, no, we don't want him anywhere near this. They'll they'll say, oh yeah, we want to we want to take him out, we want to beat him again. They don't want any it, because if that were the case, they, they would be like uh, that be like a matador, <clears throat> of course. You can ride right into 24, be the nominee. We won't stop you because we know we can beat you. They're not doing that. Why aren't they doing that? Because they know they can't beat him. They know this time um, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to generate enough fake ballots to, to stuff in. Because Joe Biden said it all the time. I don't need your vote. It, it, it's who counts the votes. And back in 2020, they had the right people counting the votes and moving the votes around. This time, I don't know about that. There's a lot there's a lot of things that have been changing. You talked about it how legislatures have, have moved to uh you know kind of fortify their position in terms of how elections are run around the country, a lot of the red states taking protections and making sure that none of the shenanigans that from 2020 could possibly happen and they shined a light on a lot of the the, the stuff that happened, you know, these these mysterious votes that show up out of nowhere. And uh I think they know that this t- this time um, they might not be able to pull it off so who, who knows what they'll plan they'll probably plan something they'll shut the, oh we can't have an election oh my goodness we're're we're, we're in war. China is attacking Taiwan we can't we can't have an election we've got to focus on this problem everybody needs to focus on Taiwan because China's attacking Taiwan and of course we got Ukraine we can't have an election we got Ukraine and Taiwan and they need our attention so uh, you know that that's again what I, don't do I, know? I, I, don't I don't think know. any of
0: that is plausible.
1: I don't know. Well, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. Every every conspiracy theory seems to be coming true. We haven't
0: seen many more strange things than what we've seen in these last three indictments, including this one most of all.
1: This one that, that includes tweets from President Trump saying to, to to march to march peacefully. These are in his indictment. He included the tweets that totally overturn what he's trying to prove. It's, a, it's amazing.
0: more on a Wednesday sports and news coming up live from studio 6b. Wednesday night, let me talk to you about our friends from Birch Gold. We're days away from the Durban Accords, the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa are expected to announce the launch of a new international super currency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. and the U.S. dollar as cornerstones of the global financial system. How do you protect your IRA or 401k from the fallout from this kind of landmark announcement? Well, diversifying into gold with Birch Gold Group. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which it is right now. Get a free information kit on gold and gold IRAs so you can decide for yourself if a tax-sheltered retirement account backed by physical precious metals is right for you. Text the word AMERICA to 989898. There is a monumental shift happening among nations that control one-third of the world's GDP. And it kicks off on August 22nd. Arm yourself now with information to protect your savings and, of course, your retirement savings. Text AMERICA to the number 989898 and claim your free information kit right now with our friends from Birch Gold Group. All right, let me talk to you about our friends over at Enviro Cleanse. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it because, you know, it just might. Canadian wildfire smoke has blanketed the U.S., reaching as far as some of the southern states. And with the wildfire season in full swing, toxic smoke is threatening our health. Enviro Cleanse is a military-grade air purification unit that's now available for your home. Enviro Cleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses, known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing, which, of course, I have every time I step into this studio, seemingly. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for the EnviroCleanse. This is how you keep your family healthy, and this is why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy ships. And only EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know you <coughs> So you know your family's breathing purified air or your money back. Visit ekpure.com. Well, you guys just were hoping. ekpure.com. Use code NEWS for 10% off your EnviroCleanse air purification unit. You'll also receive the free air quality monitor plus fast, free shipping. That's $150 savings. Visit ekpure.com. Visit ekpure.com. Use code news, ekpure.com. Code news. Get your Enviro Cleanse. And I got to get the Enviro Cleanse in the studio. Yeah,
1: here. see? Nice
2: nice way to turn that one well, off. I just
0: don't want to take it from my house, <laughs> yes. and I keep forgetting to bring it here. <laughs> you but. should choose
2: an air purifier like your show depends upon
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So I'm, it's got to be something in here. I don't cough all day long, and then I get in here, and it's like, oof. You almost oh. made it, though. I you almost made, did. Of almost course, made. I saw you two snickering yeah. over there, just right. hoping.
1: I, I was, I was waiting for you to. Do, I was waiting for you to do the creepy Joe Biden whisper. Yeah. They don't call us Ricola
0: for just, nothing. Just hoping that I could uh, not make it through and have to cough at least once or twice, so you two could start laughing at me, which is fine. So. Ric-ola. So maybe you should spend more time here and build up immunity. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know. That's what I've done. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's only in the last like two weeks. <laughs> So France's just immune to the content. You know well I went out with Slick Rick and Harry after the show last night. Yeah. Did you hear me cough once outside of the building? No, no, of not. Not once. Not. Well may- you know what? Maybe that no.
1: means the EnviroCleanse is working at home. <laughs> now you come here to this filthy studio and you're like, oh well, we're gonna we're gonna know so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bring it here. <laughs> we're waiting for Harry to cough right. up for the tab, but then the back You guys didn't leave there till six in the morning. You had
0: to wash dishes. That's <laughs> some coughing up that never's gonna happen. Like <laughs> right now, so. All right, let's do sports. Sports. <laughs> uh,
1: oh, poor Let's Harry. do
0: sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and my pillow. And here with uh, that is Slick Rick. What's going on? All right,
2: let's go to the rodeo, baby. <laughs> We're off the rails here. Kansas biggest rodeo. Phyllisburg Kansas. On our way. Come on. We're going to go to Rodeo, Big D. We're at Phillipsburg. Here we go. Steer Wrestling just kicked off uh, this evening. We got Tristan Kalawaya with the Hawaiian music going on before. 3.4 seconds. Team Roping, uh, Joe McCorby and Chase Johnson, 4.8 seconds. Tie-down roping leaders, Denton Questman, 8.0 seconds. And uh, Barrel Racing, Cassie Mowry. That's a name I know. 17.38 tenths. Good score there. $143,073 payout on that. And just uh, four events underway. I'm sure there'll be more, and we'll keep an update on that rodeo probably tomorrow night. I'll give you that. Let's get to some baseball scores. Important, some good games tonight. Phillies right now leading the Marlins 5-2, bottom eight. Yankees look like they're going to get one tonight, Rick, over the Rays 7-2, top of the eighth. I might have just given them the kibosh. Blue Jays 4-1 over the Orioles, top of the eighth. Cardinals blanking the Twins, 7-zip in St. Louis, end of 6. Middle of the 4th, Rangers over the White Sox, 7-zip as well. Uh, Reds lead the Cubs 5-3 to three in the top of the 5th. And uh, earlier tonight, the Braves uh, over the Angels 12-5. Nats over the Brewers 3-2. Astros over the Cards 3-2. Padres beat the Rockies eleven to one. Mariners beat the Red Sox six three. And Diamondbacks, Giants, Athletics, and Dodgers get out and get underway. Out west, first pitch coming up in about uh, about forty five minutes to an hour. And uh, well, report News Nation show on UFOs trounces LeBron James CNN series oh, in ratings. No. Hey, these UFO shows, man, you got a future oh, here. One to Todd Houston and Breitbart, a show on UFOs aired by low rated News Nation beat the <laughs> debut of a new CNN series produced by NBA star LeBron James in the latest embarrassment for both James and the ratings starved CNN. Uh, News Nation drew 106,000 total views for its Sunday UFO special, We Are Not Alone, the historic uh, hearing. Meanwhile, CNN's LeBron James produced show, See It Loud, the history of black television, only drew a tiny 65,000. We get more viewers than that uh, at 9pm an hour, uh, at the 9pm hour, according to the New York Post. News Nation also beat out CNN in the 25- 54 demographic coveted by advertisers attracting 39,000 viewers to CNN's 32,000 according to Nielsen, the paper rated. You will be excused for being unfamiliar with News Nation. it is one of the uh, newest attempts at non-biased cable news network that has been struggling to stay alive but apparently it's beating CNN pretty nicely which might be cold comfort. CNN has often fallen to third place among the top three cable news networks behind leader Fox News and left-wing MSNBC uh, but at this point CNN's ratings have become so bad that News. Nation may be pushing CNN back another spot in the ratings game, Big D. This is yet another embarrassment for James. TV ratings are the least of his problems. A more embarrassing problem for the NBA star occurred this week in Akron, Ohio, uh, where his vaunted I Promise School uh, has been found woefully short of fulfilling any of its promises. On Monday, news broke that James I Promise School in Akron, which was launched with great fanfare in 2018, is seriously failing its students. So really crazy. And uh, did you see that one, Kat? Cowboys' Trayvon Diggs tells Dak Prescott to shut your – he gave him a nice uh, <laughs> nice talking to a little, a little talk down to Dak, cursing at him, but uh, mm. a lot going on with the
0: Cowboys. There. Oh, yeah, they, they, they seem to be in somewhat of disarray. I had a story, a sports story, on live from Studio6B.com yeah, about no, 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 uh, already that, some drug problems on the team. He's got what? some suspensions That's cardiac co- medications I heard today sus- on that running oh, back oh, yeah, oh, okay. Jonas, okay. Suspensions for two games, though. Yeah, I know. That's huh. Right. Slick Rick yeah. is in disarray. Is that's the yes. word on the live6b.com uh, website? And he's having yep. a cardiac arrest, according right now, to the news.
2: Jerry's going to be uh, getting on his yacht and heading out to see some- Come on,
0: Slick Rick, <laughs> don't worry about the team. Jerry's going. to go to the strip club and get it all straightened <laughs> all right. out. So. Well, that's a woeful <laughs> rap to sports. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have a winner for the T-shirt tonight. Nice. Del- oh. Delbert Hicks. Get out of oh, here! Come on, Delbert, <laughs> get out,
2: out of here. Stop. Here. Stop.
0: <laughs> Come on. Delbert's going to win. That's not real. And you all know why Delbert's going to win. Because uh, his name is Delbert. Delbert? Come on. Pence is anti-conservative in Indiana. He turned on disabled veterans. That was his comment. And he signed up over at the website tonight. Oh, Delbert. So Delbert Hicks uh, is the winner of the free T-shirt. So uh, Delbert, give us your... um, Give us your size and shipping address, and we will send out the uh, shirt of the month to you. Absolutely free as the winner tonight. Delbert Hicks is the winner of the shirt. Come on, Delbert. Let's go. (laughs) I I know. I thought you were going to hit me some Delbert right there, Frank. Come on. All live from Studio 6B. We'll give you um, Will Scharf's take. Brilliant, as always, take on this indictment. We get back right after this. Live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday night. Slick Rick's doing sports. Ricked Up Guys doing the news. Aaron Fran holding it down. Ads always. Oh, that's neat. Is, it um, it? is it Friday night yet? What's uh, that? Is it Friday night yet? Not yet. Will Sharf, who I absolutely love. Who's he? Just brilliant takes on everything. And of course, Will Sharf is a candidate for Missouri Attorney General. Okay. Worked on a couple of SCOTUS confirmations. Former federal prosecutor. Has written some of the really great takes on these um, indictments on trump on the documents one he wrote for the federalist and he um he's out today he says my take on the new trump indictment special counsel jack smith's new indictment against president trump seeks to criminalize political speech and it seeks to criminalize taking incorrect legal advice americans of all political stripes should be furious and deeply concerned by the course Jack Smith has set this country on. I have reviewed the new Trump indictment closely, and sadly, it is exactly what we have come to expect from Smith's team, a highly political document riddled with legal and factual infirmities. This indictment should never have been brought to a grand jury in the first place. Moreover, its timing, particularly in light of Smith's statements and actions in the Trump's document case, is so highly suspect that it cast a political pall over the whole case. I'm going to run through the various issues I see with this indictment. Apologies in advance for the length of this post and for some of the more technical aspects of it, but I hope it answers some questions. The indictment, part one. Smith's indictment, contains four counts against President Trump. The first, brought under 18 U.S.C. 371, alleges that Trump conspired to defraud the United States by using knowingly false claims of election fraud to obstruct federal government function by which those results are collected, counted, and certified, end quote. The second and third alleged conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding and the actual or attempted obstruction of an official proceeding, both in violation of subsections of 18 U.S.C. 1512. The fourth alleges that Trump committed a conspiracy against rights by knowingly conspiring to deprive Americans of their right to vote and have their votes counted in violation of 18 U.S.C. 241. Those are the four counts. Having read the indictment, Having followed January 6th related cases very closely, having read extensive news coverage, and having spoken to others with experience in this area of law, I do not believe that any, any of these charges can fairly be proven beyond a reasonable doubt in front of a fair judge and jury. Of course, the last part... Additionally, I expect that were this case to reach the Supreme Court, the court would reject Smith's theories of liability on all or at least some of these counts, as it did unanimously with his prosecution of former Virginia Governor Bob McDonald. Smith and his team did a real disservice to the cause of justice by bringing this indictment. Number one, Trump's state of mind. In the Trump documents case, we've already seen how thorny issues of intent Can be. There, many of us have argued that in light of the president's rights and responsibilities under the Presidential Records Act, it is essentially impossible for Jack Smith to prove that Trump knowingly violated the Espionage Act subsection that he charged. Here, in this case, we have similar issues. For all four of these charges, Jack Smith needs to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump knew that his claims about election integrity were false and that he knew that the legal theories his team and attorneys advanced to him were not viable. Not just that the claims were false. Not just that Trump might have known they were false or that Trump should have known that they were false. If Trump did not actually know that his claims were false and the theories he's advancing were wrong, then I do not see how he can be found guilty of any of the four charges in the indictment, while Jack Smith points to a few statements Trump allegedly made to others at various stages of his election challenges, where he uh, um, where he implies, if you squint hard enough, appears to concede defeat, the overwhelming um, gravamen of Trump's statements and actions indicate that he believed that his claims, both factual about the conduct of the election and legal about potential remedies, Were true. Considering the record as a whole, how does one go about proving that Trump didn't believe his own arguments? Moreover, three of these counts charge conspiracy. For those counts, Smith likely has to prove that Trump's alleged co conspirators also knew that the claims they were advancing were false and that Trump and his alleged co conspirators all agreed, knowing that the claims were false, to press ahead anyway. Given the list of co-conspirators, their activities during the time period in question and the interactions between them and Trump that have already been made public, I think the opposite is likely the case. In short, proving the requisite intent on the part of Trump and his alleged co-conspirators on all four of these charges, in my opinion, is likely impossible. At least in front of a, here we go again, fair jury In a fair courtroom. This indictment should never have been brought. Now, on to the First Amendment. Others have made this point publicly already, so I won't belabor it. To put it simply, Jack Smith's theory of the case necessarily requires criminalizing political speech. This is core protected activity under the First Amendment, and the legal implications are truly scary for our democracy. Is any public challenge to a certified federal election now a criminal act? In Jack Smith's telling, the answer is probably yes. At at what point do election challenges become criminal? Based off of Jack Smith's theory of this case, the answer to that is entirely unclear, meaning that the very fact that this indictment was brought may have a deeply chilling effect on protected speech for years to come. Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams, uh, well, I just showed you the video, so we can just refer to that. And I didn't even play you half of it. And many, many others have claimed for years that their elections were stolen from them. Stacey Abrams continued her efforts to challenge her defeat to Brian Kemp long after the results were clear. Andrew Jackson claimed that John Quincy Adams cheated him out of the election of 1824. After the 2000, 2004, 2016 elections, Democrats attempted to interfere with the electoral college count process in all of those Did those actions constitute a conspiracy against rights under uh, 241? Under Jack Smith's theory of the case, I would say the answer is unclear, but it's possibly yes. Taking political speech and political acts of this sort and shoehorning them into criminal statutes that have never been used or brought in this way should terrify everyone political candidates should not live in fear of prosecution by their political opponents for stating their views about their elections. Jack Smith and his rush to get Trump has done serious violence to our constitutional order and to our Bill of Rights. The requisite intent under 241. This statute is a statute that was originally designed. Now, listen to this. You know, this is the other thing that I don't think people sometimes realize. I didn't even realize it. These statutes that he's using and brought up, do you know what some of these were first used for when they were actually added on to the U.S. Code? 241 is a statute that was originally designed to deal with violence against black voters by the Ku Klux Klan and other similar efforts to to deprive people of their constitutional rights. Jack Smith's use of it here is outrageous on its face, designed to inflame perhaps more than anything else but there are also serious legal issues that Smith and his team seem to have been willing to ignore in terms of the statutes, um, whether you can apply the statute to these facts that are alleged. In United States v. Guest, 1966, the Supreme Court grappled with the constitutionality of this statute as a whole, facing an argument that it was unconstitutionally vague and overbroad. The Supreme Court ultimately held that the statute was constitutional, but only because of the heightened intent requirements that follow it from being a conspiracy statute. In the Supreme Court's words, specific intent to interfere with the federal right at issue must be proved on the part of the alleged conspirators. Only because of that specific intent requirement was the prosecution in that case allowable and was the statute itself deemed to pass constitutional mustard. To prove its case, it's not enough for Jack Smith to prove and his alleged co-conspirators sought to overturn certified election results. He needs to prove that they acted with specific intent to deprive people of the rights to have their votes counted. This cannot be established by inference under binding Supreme Court precedent. Smith needs evidence that Trump's intent was specifically to deprive people of their right to have their votes counted on the face of the indictment in public record it doesn't appear that he has anything close to meeting this kind of a bar so that's just a little bit and i'm and it goes on and on and on i mean he just breaks down every single thing in here his paragraph in here about the timing of this it's this is i've i've shared this on all social media um, it's absolutely worth the read of the whole thing. I don't have time to even go through the whole thing, but it's absolutely worth uh, going through because he breaks this down really like nobody else I've read recently. As as he has come on the scene, Will Scharf, I'll tell you, I haven't seen anybody. I, Brett Tolman is excellent as well, and obviously Levin is fantastic, but I really like the way Will Scharf breaks these things down because you can really understand it. Uh, he gets into the technical, but it's not over your head, and it really gets to the crux. But you know the point of this whole thing that bothers you, though, is that the the, the sentences where he says, "If this is in front of a fair judge and jury, right, this is the scenario." Well, that's the problem,
1: right? Because we know be that's D- not the case. It's going to be in DC. So yeah, like like you said, that's the problem. Why? And and, and even the uh, even on appeal. Um, it'll probably still end up going to the Supreme Court because everything in D.C. we know is 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 jacked up. <laughs> kind of, kind of make a pun there. Um,
0: and, and even the conspiracy to defraud the United States—you know when that was originally in the code after Enron? These statutes were never contemplated for for this, for these, for for, for politics even, right? That was put in that was put in for tax fraud context. After Enron is when that when this statute was put in. He says section 371 is a statute that criminalizes defrauding the federal government or interfering in lawful functions of government. Its origins are in the tax fraud context, and it was originally cabineted closely to property frauds against the federal government. Even after the statute was expanded through the Supreme Court, has urged caution throughout the statute's history that a conspiracy charge relating to the obstruction of governmental functions must be premised on the use of deceit, craft, or trickery, or at least by means that are dishonest. Ham uh, Schmidt uh, versus United States 265-1924, open defiance of the law, for example, cannot give rise to a 371 charge as Jack Smith has charged here. So there are so many issues here that he brings to light.
1: Well, this is, this is what a banana republic looks like, right? They, they just they just do what they want. The rule of law be damned. And, uh,
0: you know, innocent people
1: are going to pay the price.
0: All of these issues, but remember this. If there's one shining thing, they've given the Trump team subpoena power. And that's broad subpoena power on a lot of people. All right, we'll wrap it up when we get back. 13 13th of the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. And here with that is Rick Delgado. What's going on? All right. Well, uh, kind of
1: uh, a story that fits into what we've been talking about tonight as Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy has uh, filed a lawsuit. <laughs> against the U.S. Department of Justice seeking communications between the agency and the White House about the indictment of former President Donald Trump. You ask for, uh, for anybody on the on the R side doing anything? Well, Vivek it is seems Rick to be got the done. guy standing up. In relation to his alleged mishandling of classified documents, he says, I just filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Justice following its failure to substantively respond to my Freedom of Information Act request to uncover what the White House officials, including President Joe Biden, communicated to Merrick Garland and Jack Smith about the unprecedented indictment in the classified documents case of a former U.S. president and one of uh, Biden's political opponents in the 2024 presidential election. He says, I'm also filling out a separate FOIA request with the DOJ to uncover any similar communications relating to the just-issued January 6th Trump indictment, he continued. We should demand accountability And transparency in U.S. versus Alvarez, the Supreme Court held that the political candidates have a First Amendment right to knowingly make inaccurate statements. If you're going to indict a former president and leading presidential candidate, it better not be based on unprecedented legal theory, he says. Further, it's more than a stretch to call something criminal if someone is seeking legal counsel from their own lawyers. He's continued, Jack Smith has created a dangerous precedent by criminalizing the behavior of Trump's lawyers who offered him legal advice, labeling them co-conspirators instead. This jeopardizes the future of our legal system. If we fail to admit the truth, January 6th will just be a preview of far worse to come. We must reunite as a country, but the path forward will not be easy. And that, again... Coming from uh, Vivek Rawaswamy, who's, uh, what is he, polling around third right now in most polls?
0: Yeah, I think so. But hey, I'll tell you what, he's yeah. he's been he's been more aggressive than Congress has been, I can tell you that.
1: He's been more aggressive. He's
0: gotten than, more done yeah. than uh, the Republican House has gotten done, I can tell you that.
1: And, of course, he has condemned the indictment, calling it un-American and committed to pardoning Trump for those charges should he win the White House. So, uh, another, uh, you know... Uh, Strong young guy. A good bench, of course, from the uh, from the Republican side doesn't seem to be in line with the rhinos, which is uh, refreshing, to say the least. Uh, uh, and I got I got to include this one because this is this this is bordering on insanity. Now, as a group of liberal senators, yes, I said liberal, are asking the Justice Department to prosecute leaders of the fossil fuel industry for. Check this out. Allegedly breaking laws by ignoring, I don't know what laws they're talking about, ignoring the scientific evidence related to climate change and by continuing to produce gas and oil, you know, the stuff that we need. Uh, the senators allege that the companies have broken federal laws on racketeering, truth and advertising and consumer truth and advertising coming from fr- coming from politicians. That's that's rich uh, and other related laws in such efforts by ignoring scientific evidence uh, of climate change and continuing to produce oil and gas. <clears throat> Here's what they wrote. We write to strongly urge, it's a tersely worded letter, I guess, to the Department of Justice to bring suits against the fossil fuel industry for its longstanding and carefully coordinated campaign to mislead consumers and discredit climate science in pursuit of massive profits, reads the letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, The letter signed by Democrats, you guessed it. The uh, chief Woohoo, hoo uh, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Jeff Merkley, some dude out of uh, Oregon, and Edward Markey out of Massachusetts, plus... Senator Bernie Sanders, who caucuses with the Democrats. Uh, In response, U.S. oil and gas, Tim Stewart said, using their silly logic, the federal government would have to sue itself for for its contribution to climate change. He argued that, for example, the Justice Department could file a suit against the Interior Department, considering the Interior Department issues the oil and gas leases. So the Biden Department granted more permits than the Trump administration for drilling, according to multiple news outlets. It's amazing. Amazing. Again, this story coming from Just the News, just pointing out the stupidity of the people we have that are uh, holding elected office Yeah. That, that somehow just keep getting pushed in, and, and they, they're there. They're just making the dumbest decisions ever, and they want to criminalize uh, the gas and the oil that you might use for your car and basically everything else that runs our country.
0: Yeah. So. yeah. They want the full degrowth movement to go into full gear. Anything else in the news? Uh,
1: yeah, but I was going to leave some some uh, room there for Slick Rick. Unless you want to talk about All right, Bob let's, do
0: spo- let's do sports. And sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell <laughs> and My Pillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. Slick Rick, what's going on?
2: All right. Well, some more woes for New York baseball. Yankee pitcher out for season due to alcohol abuse. This is uh, Larry Brown Sports by Larry Brown. The New York Yankees on Wednesday announced some major news regarding Domingo Herman. Uh, the Yankees said in a statement that Herman was being placed on the restricted list so. He can undergo treatment for alcohol abuse. Uh, he will not pitch for the team for the rest of the season. Yankees general manager Brian Cashman told reporters that an incident took place on Tuesday, leading to Wednesday's decision. Cashman also said that Herman has dealt with alcohol issues in the past. Herman has had a tumultuous season. The 30 year old was suspended in May for failed substance check. He had a season worst start on June 22nd when he allowed 10 runs. Then, in his following start, he threw a perfect game. Now, a little more than a month later, he is out for the season her mom was five and seven with a four five six era this season so unbelievable wow just continues to be a bad story with baseball pitching and dealing pitches, right? Scherzer, Verlander out for the Mets. Not a good year for baseball in the, for New York. And uh, woman who accuses Patrick Holmes' brother of sexual assault closes restaurant fearing for her safety. Warner Todd, Houston, and Breitbart, the Kansas City business owner who accused Chief Star Patrick Mahomes' brother of sexual assault has closed down her restaurant saying she has lost business and fears for her safety. Aspen Vaughn, the owner of Aspen's Restaurant and Lounge near Kansas City, accused Jackson Mahomes of sexually assaulting her and threatening one of her employees since his arrest in May by the Overland. Park Police Department. Vaughn told police that on February 25th, Jackson groped her and forced a kiss on her in her establishment. There was some surveillance video to back up her claim that became viral online. Vaughn told officials that Jackson forced kisses on her several times, including the incident seen on the video. The restaurant owner also said she did not consent to the sexual contact. Uh, now, Vaughan says her business has suffered because of the reports, and she also alleges that she suffered vandalism that she feels is connected to supporters of Mahomes. Of course, the Jackson the Mahomes attorneys saying he hasn't done anything. So this is going back and forth. I don't think Chiefs Nation is taking too kind to this woman, although I'm not saying that they're the ones going after her, but it just seems like this woman's going to – she probably needs to pick up her business and go elsewhere because it sounds like she's going to have a tough time. If Mahomes is convicted of the battery, he could face up to 55 months in jail. So we'll continue to track this story, Big D. And that's a wrap in sports. Back to you.
0: All right, Slick Rick. Very good. Um, I didn't get a chance to get to it, but on the same – Along the same path that we've been hammering now for seemingly weeks, months, and certainly in the last couple nights, over at The Blaze, Daniel Horowitz has a piece tonight. Defund prosecutions or bust. Time for conservative noisemakers to put up or shut up. Do conservative media figures, influencers, pundits, and elected officials actually want to solve the weaponized persecution issue, or do they just want attention, ratings, and nominating Trump for president as an end to itself? Honestly, it's the same question we must ask about every important issue of our time, from biomedical tyranny, transgenderism, climate tyranny, debt, Inflation crisis and the border invasion. What is the end game? We've heard it all after the first two indictments of Trump. We've crossed the Rubicon. We're a banana republic. There's no turning back from here. We've heard it all. So it's interesting how our government's biomedical tyranny apparently didn't cross the line, or burning down our economy, or destroying our energy, or aiding the cartels in the border invasion, or sending billions to Ukraine. Or the weaponized DOJ holding ordinary citizens and Trump supporters in prison indefinitely. Pretrial, nonviolent criminal charges for two years. But if the indictment of Trump is truly the red line, then fine, let's, I'll take it. But what are we going to do about it? As always, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you to live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here, live from Studio 6B. Come on, Delbert. Take us out.
1: Come on.
5: I'm changing, but I'm holding on